All right, good morning. How are we doing? Good. Sounds awesome. Look good out there this morning. How about Scott? It's like, it's like a different person all of a sudden when he hit that song, wasn't it? That's good. I like that. Uh, and, and what he's singing about there, just, you know, that we would finally find what we're looking for. And that's kind of the idea behind our series that we started last week. And we'll talk about it again next week as well. But it's this idea that we all have certain desires inside of us that seem to be universal. And we're looking for love. We're looking for belonging. We're looking for meaning and purpose and, and uh, fulfillment. And we've looked in a lot of different kinds of places to find those kinds of things. And all we're proposing in this series is that whether you call it a desire or a craving or a hunger or a thirst, like we'll call it today, that what I believe and what I think the Bible teaches and what a lot of us have found to be true by experience is that those kinds of things are not really met outside of a relationship with God. And so we're at least exploring those ideas. So um, let's just start off with this question this morning. Have you, can you think about a time when you've ever been really, really thirsty? All right, you've been really, really thirsty. Now, I remember a couple years ago after the tornado came through Joplin, Missouri, and that's where I grew up. So I went with a couple of guys back to Joplin for a few days to do some work, and it was over 100 degrees while we're working outside of these baseball fields. And I remember at the time, I drank, I think it was like 12 bottles of water and eight Powerades in one day. And it's like, you just can't get enough, you know? And so you're trying to find a way to just satisfy that thirst and get some relief there. But um, I, I have one very vivid memory. I grew up in a neighborhood that had a lot of kids my age. So we spent a lot of time outside um, playing. And so, I mean, if you're a parent and you have kids, you can explain what that's like later. But we spent a lot of time outside <laughs> outside playing, and uh, we'd play basketball, we'd play baseball, football, um, you, you name it, you know, hide and seek, whatever the game was at the time. And um, I remember we'd been playing over at uh, this girl, she was really a tomboy, by the name of Andrea Mock. We're playing at Andrea Mock's house, and we've been out for hours that day, it's the sweltering heat, we're just exhausted, and we're going to take a break and get a drink finally. And one of my friends goes over, and this is when we used to drink out of a garden hose, I say used to, I mean, some of us probably still do, but drink out of the garden hose, right? And he turns it on and there's still water in the line and so it's still warm and I'm like, I don't want that. So I go inside and they have tea. They got tea, just a whole refrigerator full of tea. I thought, well, that, that looks good enough to me. I'm not a big tea drinker, but I'm gonna go for it. So I drink one glass and I get that down. I drink another glass and I just keep drinking glasses thinking, man, I am so thirsty. Let's have another glass of tea. And I drank and I drank and I drank. And then I ran outside and I threw up and I threw up and I threw up. And I continued to throw up. And I don't know if that was just a, a, a combination of the heat with the exhaustion or the speed at which I was drinking. Or maybe it's just this idea that um, I was drinking the wrong stuff. Right? I mean, anyone, you, you understand what we're talking about? Like, you, you've been really thirsty for something in your life and the thing that you were drinking just didn't really do it for you. And if you can somehow kind of understand that idea this morning, then you're going to have a really good idea of what we're talking about today. And it's this idea, right, that there's this deeper thirst inside each and every one of us. And, and it's for these things, right, love and belonging and purpose and meaning and fulfillment. And we've said this each week, and we'll say it again next week just so um, it can be reinforced in your mind. But the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, said it this way in Ecclesiastes. He says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. 
Well, hundreds of years later, Jesus came along and he said something similar. He said that the kingdom is actually within you. In other words, I think what they're saying is that maybe you and I have a better chance of finding God by looking at what has already been placed inside of us rather than by looking at all the different places that are around us. And we're just posing these questions, right? I mean, what if a search for love and a search for purpose, a search for value, a search for meaning, a search for answers in our life was really, in the end, just a search for God? And so we're using this bottom line that you can maybe take away with you this morning is that my soul cravings, and you can call it a hunger, you can call it a desire, we're going to call it a thirst today, that my soul cravings are designed by God to lead me to him. So we want to look at a story in the Bible, and it's in the book of John chapter 4. So if you need a Bible, our ushers will walk down the aisle. Just raise your hand. They'd be happy to give you one. If you just want to borrow one for the day, I think that's allowable. You can work that out with them. But uh, I think it's page 811, if memory serves me right, if you're going to use that particular Bible there. But it's John chapter 4. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different guys write about Jesus' life and tell his story. We're going to read John's version, John chapter 4. And just so you understand a couple of things as we come into this story this morning is that Jesus and his disciples are out taking a really long walk and they're trying to get back towards their home territory. It's probably about a 30-mile walk for them and they're going to stop and take a break. And when they stop and take a break, the disciples are going to head back into uh, a neighboring town. They're going to find some food and, uh, and take a break that way. And Jesus is going to pull up at a rest stop at a, at a well, and specifically we learn it's in this area of Samaria, Sychar of Samaria. It's a local gathering spot where people come and they get water. Now, you have to understand, too, that this isn't anywhere close to where Jesus is trying to get to. It's like you would have to go out of your way a little bit to end up where Jesus is going to end up. And, and essentially, it's like being in the wrong part of town. It's like you wouldn't really go here unless you just absolutely have to. And so we're going to see that there's a purpose for what Jesus is doing here. And so there he is, right? You got to picture Jesus as tired, hot. He sits down at this well. John tells us it's high noon. And here comes this woman. And here's the way he reads in John 4, chapter 7. It says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and she's going to point out the obvious, I'm a Samaritan woman, why are you asking me for a drink? And so she knows the deal, right? She knows what kinds of barriers that he's breaking here, and she draws attention to it. Listen, what, what are you, a Jew, doing talking to me, a Samaritan? So Samaritans are really looked down upon by Jews. And essentially what happened was a Jew decided to go rogue and intermarry with um, another nationality, and they birthed together this, what is considered to be a half-breed of a Jew. And if Jews are kind of like this pure line, this family of God, then she's really a mix of everything else. And we know, right, she's a woman. And so in this particular day, as a woman, she's thought to be and treated oftentimes as no better than a piece of property. And we're about to learn, she's got some history. So she's pulling up to the well with all kinds of baggage that we're going to learn about here in a second. And we know that partly because here in the beginning, she comes in the heat of the day and she's alone. 
Now, most women would do this in the morning when it's not so hot outside, and maybe they would get together and do it as a group, and we're going to make it some kind of a social event. And so you can kind of picture this, I guess. So ladies, just for a second, let me ask you this. If you have to go out for something, you have on sweats and a t-shirt, and you're wearing your glasses, and you've got your hair up in a bun, and you don't have any makeup on, when do you go? (laughs) I mean, you go when no one else is out, don't you? I mean, most of you, I see some of you every once in a while, but why, (laughs) like, why? I mean, why do you do that? Because you don't don't want anyone to see you, right? And you don't want anyone to stop and talk to you. So here's Jesus, right? Hey, how how about a drink? And she's shocked. Why are you talking to me? And now it's on. We've got a great conversation brewing. So here it is in verse 10. Jesus replies, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. In other words, listen, if you really knew who I was, if you knew who you were talking to, if you knew what was really going on right here in this conversation, you'd be asking me for a drink. But she's not really clued in on what's happening here. And she says, but sir, you don't have a rope. (laughs) You don't have a bucket. And the well's very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, she knows the history about this place. Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And so she's looking at Jesus going, I don't know what you're really talking about. How are you going to give me water? You don't have a bucket. I've got a bucket. This well's really, really deep. Where, where, you, where do you think you're going to get water? And so Jesus replies in verse 13, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And so I kind of picture Jesus, and maybe he's standing there, they're engaged, looking at one another, but, but maybe he at least points to the well, right, and says, hey, look, every person who ever came here to get water, like, they, they had to come back here again because they were thirsty, or you were here yesterday, right? And now you're back here again today and you're going to come back here again tomorrow. But I've got something better for you. And then he adds this spiritual element to the conversation, right? He says, I- I've got water that gives eternal life. In other words, I've got something for you that's good, not just for when you die later and maybe have the opportunity to go to heaven, but I've got something that's more than that. And he uses this common phrase to talk about peace with God. And so he's saying, look, I've got a kind of a water that could satisfy you that will really help you connect with God. Well, she's still not getting it. And so in verse 15, please, sir, give me this water and I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. So you kind of see what she's arriving at here, which is, all right, That sounds really good. I will take some of that, what you're offering me right now. And I won't have to keep coming back here. And we can be done with this whole conversation if you will just give me this magic water that you're talking about. And Jesus is going to peel back the layers of her her life here. He's going to expose some really deep needs that she has. And he's going to take this conversation to a whole new level in verse 16. All right, you want the living water? Here's the deal. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. Well, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. 
You've actually had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth there, didn't you? <laughs> now, I think it's a little playful, but it's got to be a little bit insightful for her. Like, how does this guy know this about me? But here's Jesus, right? Oh, that's right. I, I already knew that. You've had five husbands and you're living with another man now. And so maybe he goes over, I don't know how much detail Jesus knows. Does he say, yeah, I got it. First there was Eddie and you were both really young and it just didn't work out. And then there was Carlos, but you were on the rebound, so we understand that. Then Roger, but he was a complete bum. Dale, we know that was just a big mistake, right? And Ronnie, but we know what happened there. And now with this guy, it's just easier this way, isn't it? I don't think Jesus, as I read it at least, is trying to make her look bad as much as he's saying to her, I hope you understand this, I know and you know, you are a thirsty woman for sure. You just don't know where to drink. And Jesus, he's getting really, really close to some deep places inside of this woman. And so she pulls out a diversionary tactic. People do this with pastors all the time, right? Uh-oh, we're, we're, we're not going to go there, so let me steer the conversation away a little bit. And she steers it right towards religion. And then she realizes Jesus is a pastor or something like that. And she says, all right, I, I'm really thoroughly confused. And so she just throws up her arms in verse 25 and says, listen, I know the Messiah is coming someday, the one who's called the Christ. And when he comes, uh, he can just figure all this out for us. He'll explain everything. And then Jesus, and I kind of picture him as leaning in a little bit, maybe locking eyes a little bit. Maybe he whispers it in her ear and he just simply says, look, I'm the Messiah. In other words, you don't have to wait for someday to happen. It's here, and I'm the one. And by the way, this isn't really about wells, and it's not about buckets, and it's not about water. This is about your life. I mean, all this talk about water and quenching your thirst, it's really about your life. You've got something missing, and you're looking everywhere you possibly can to try to find it. Um, a few years ago, back in 2010, I think it was, I spent a week in Kenya, and uh, the church I was at, uh, involved with at the time was trying to get involved with meeting some really, really basic needs out, out in Kenya and in the Rift Valley. So it's about six hours off-road, terrible, terrible drive, very primitive situation, jungle conditions, and one of the things I was really eager to see was how... Um, the people we were trying to work with were going to provide clean water for um, people in the valley. And uh, someone had done some estimates guessing that in Africa alone that people would spend 40 billion hours every year just walking to find acceptable water. And then there are these estimates that every um, 15 seconds that a child dies from unclean drinking water. And so I'm thinking this could be a really huge deal for us. Let's get over there and see it and what's happening. And, and to have a clean water filtration system is really a, a, a huge deal. And so here's some pictures. And that's kind of the outside of what it looks like. And this is actually a really fancy building. And then the other picture is just the inside to show you that we've, there's a real system there. It's cleaning water and providing it for people. And our host is telling us one day about uh, when they're handing out water and a boy came up to the building and they gave him a cup of water, a clean water, right out of this system right here. And he began to drink it. And then he spit it out right in front of everyone. And he says, that tastes horrible. 
And then they described him walking over to a ditch that was full of water, and he took his cup, and he scooped up a, a cup full of water, and he says, that's, that's real water. <laughs> and little does he know that the water he thinks is good can literally kill him. And God says this is the kind of thing that happens in people's lives all the time. I mean, think about this statement that he makes through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, my people have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. In other words, he's saying, look, the thirst is real. Uh, we're not denying that. But maybe we're just drinking from the wrong stuff. Trying to quench this craving, right, in everything but God, who is freely providing this living water. And Jesus knows about this woman, Right? I mean, he knows the relationship she's pursued. He knows the looking for something, the digging of her own wells, so to speak. And he knows, essentially, that he's just dealing with a really thirsty person, that there's this place within her life that will remain forever empty. She's always going to be thirsty and extremely disappointed. And I think maybe at this point, maybe he's sat down. I just picture it this way. And he's leaning up against the well a little bit and maybe pointing over his shoulder going, this water right here, it's always going to leave you thirsty. Your thirst is right. You just haven't found the thing that will do it for you. But I who speak to you, I'm the one. And verse 28 says the woman left her water jar beside the well, which was the reason she came in the first place, wasn't it? And she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So something finally clicks for her and she realizes that she's been standing face to face and, and conversing with Jesus leaves this jar behind, and, and, and maybe it represents her life, I, I don't know, but maybe it just means she knows that she's coming back again soon, because that's exactly what happens when she goes back and she begins to tell people about this encounter. She says, listen, he knows everything. He, he knows the whole picture of my life. He knows me. Could it be? Could he be? And the way she's saying this, could he possibly be the Messiah, is as if she's saying, could he be? I think so. And so I think it's an awesome story to think about this morning, but it really leaves two huge questions for us to wrestle through. And I hope that you'll take a few minutes before we get out of here this morning to really consider what your answer might be to these. And here's the first one, which is this. What sources am I? Let's think about yourself. What sources am I drinking from in order to satisfy my thirst? I mean, if we all have these soul cravings, then where am I going to try to satisfy those. Because I got to think that if we could get just a handful of people together, that somebody in that handful of people is literally dying of thirst. That some of us are just so thirsty, we're out here digging our own wells and it's killing us, trying to find that one thing that's ultimately going to satisfy us. Whether it's pursuing money or power or sex or pleasure or going after this man or that woman or these kids or gaining a status or acquiring a position or getting a feeling, having an experience, thinking that if we keep digging and digging and digging, eventually we're going to find something that's going to satisfy us. And maybe the more important question might not even be what sources am I drinking from, but it might be why? Like, like why am I drinking from those sources? 
An author and a priest by the name of Henry Nouwen spent some time in San Francisco years ago amongst different ministries to AIDS victims. And he was so moved to compassion by one of his experiences that um, he wrote about some of their sad stories and he made this comment about it. He says, they want love so bad, it's literally killing them. That these are just thirsty people going after the wrong kind of water. Maybe you like this one better, Elaine DeBotton's TED Talk, if you're familiar with TED Talks, on success. There's a great line in there where he said this. He says, the next time you see somebody driving a Ferrari, don't think, this is somebody who is greedy. He says, you need to think, this is somebody who's incredibly vulnerable and in need of love. Now, I think that's so profound, so profound And I can only speak for myself that I'm trying to reorient my brain, trying to reorient my heart really to believe that the deepest truth about a person may not necessarily be what they do, but that there's probably a deeper thirst that set them on that path to begin with. A thirst, whether or not they know it, that's for God. See, I get frustrated with people real easily because I have a little bit of a judgmental bone inside of me. I think it's from growing up under religious, oppressive church attending all of my life and not really knowing that God loves me and he likes me as I am. Some of you might understand that. So one of my great frustrations with people sometimes is that I hear about something or I read something or you tell me something and I'm thinking, why would you do that? (laughs) I mean, what are you thinking That's going to be a disaster. Please don't do that. But maybe the truth is really just this right here, is that we're just thirsty people drinking from the wrong stuff. And so maybe when you encounter someone that you disapprove of in your own life, what if that was your thought? Hey, I don't like what they're doing, but the deeper truth is that this is probably just a really thirsty person. I mean, maybe we don't really know addicts or annoyances. We just know thirsty people. Maybe we don't know people that have had affairs. We know thirsty people. Maybe we don't just know people who, are, who make habitually poor choices or have needy personalities. We just know, we know thirsty people. And some of us really know this, and we've known it for years, but we're hoping maybe at some point, right, that something's going to give, and we're finally going to find what we're looking for. And maybe, right, maybe this morning, you would be honest enough just to say, you know, that, that's true. I've been digging my own wells, and it's exhausting. I'm ready for a better way. And so you got to answer that question, right? I mean, where am I going? What am I drinking from that I think is going to satisfy me? Because here's the follow-up question, right? If we can get to the point where we realize that those things don't really satisfy us, then we could ask this question, which is, am I willing to trust God to quench that thirst, I mean, that's what Jesus is really in the business of doing, isn't it? I mean, he's out there to bring living water to every person who's ever been thirsty for things that never satisfied them. John goes on to tell us a pretty cool story in chapter 7 of what he's writing here. He tells us that one day Jesus goes to a, a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles, and every day at the feast there's this routine. A priest will start at the temple, and he'll carry this pitcher, and he'll walk towards a pool called the Pool of Siloam. And this whole crowd of people will follow him as he makes this walk, which is about a mile long. And he'll get down there to the pool, and then he'll fill up his pitcher with water, and he'll turn around, and he'll walk a mile back to the temple, and he'll go inside to the temple, and um, the water, which is really a major theme to the festival because it you know, represents 
blessing. It's God's favor on people. We're celebrating the crops and all that. And so he'll march back, march back to the temple, and during the morning sacrifice, he'll raise up this pitcher and he'll pour it out. Now, the cool thing is all along the way, all these people have been following him. And they're singing and they're dancing and they're marching and they're saying things that come out of the book of Psalms, and maybe it sounds familiar to you, which is this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then everybody in unison will shout, Hosanna, which means Lord save us. And as he fills the pitcher, right, they're all shouting, Lord save us. They get back to the temple, he raises the pitcher, and then there's this moment of silence where everybody is just absolutely silent and still. And he pours out the water. And then he draws on this imagery that everyone would know about from the book of Isaiah, which is this. With joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. Salvation, the word Yeshua, where we get the word Jesus. They're, they're looking back at how God had provided, and in this moment, they're looking forward for a deliverer that's going to be sent by God. And in this particular moment, John says, at the climax of the festival, Jesus causes a disturbance. And here's what it says. It says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. He says rivers, right, streams of living water, not just pitchers that have to be refilled, not just buckets that have to be dipped. He says, okay, do you have it, folks? I'm the one that you've been waiting for. I'm right here. I can quench your spiritual thirst. I am salvation. I'm the one, right? I who speak to you am he. Will you trust me to quench that thirst? See, in the same way that Jesus knows all about this woman, right? He, he knows all about you. He knows all about me. He knows what you've done in your life. He knows what you're doing in your life. He knows the places that we're all looking for to try to find some kind of satisfaction and that we're not real sure where to look and that nothing is really working for us. And he knows that this is just a room full of really, really thirsty people. And the only place to really have it quenched and satisfied is in him. And that's why you will hear Jesus say things like, come to me, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, right? And I know there's thirsty people in this room today. So if you somehow made it in here today and that's you, you're in the right place. You're in the right spot. And whatever your story is, it doesn't have to be her story, but whatever your story is, if you're thirsty, Jesus says, look, if you can somehow come to believe in me, come and take a drink of that. See, and maybe it's clicked for somebody this morning, right? And, and all that looking, all that longing, all that trying to make those pieces fit, you, you start to realize this really is about the deeper places of my life. And so I hope you'll be able to picture Jesus this morning, right? Leaning up against a well or at least pointing at it going, that water right there, I mean, that money, that pleasure, that power, that status, that feeling, that experience, that water right there will always leave you thirsty for more because it's not the right thing. And maybe the deeper truth you could grasp is that it's not really about what you do or what you've done, although some of us have really caused some major disasters in our life. But maybe that's not the most important thing. Maybe it's that there's this deeper thirst for something in our life that caused us to go after those things to begin with. And here's what I think is just absolutely true, at least in my experience and what I know to be true from the scriptures, is that there's a place within you there's a place within me that will forever remain unquenched and extremely thirsty and leave me forever disappointed 
if I continue to search for things that don't satisfy? So what if, right? I mean, what if you took a step and went towards asking God, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a try. I'm turning this over to you. Maybe today you could come to the realization that, you know what, he could be the one. He could be the one. And you could walk out of here today knowing that there is a thirst that can actually be satisfied, and it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. I have found that to be true in my life. I pray that you will find that to be true in your life. I'll hang out down front all, um, all that's necessary this morning if we want to talk about it and pray together. I just hope that you will actually do the hard work before you walk out of here today and answer those two questions. Uh, what is it that I'm really looking for to satisfy my thirst? And when I find it and put my finger on it and realize that it's not actually done the trick, am I willing to trust God to quench that thirst for me. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for stories like this one that are honest and they are uh, a little raw, they are a little uh, real. God, thank you that uh, what you tell us about yourself in these scriptures is that uh, you know about us and you know the search that we're on oftentimes and, and you're offering us the best life possible if we could just step in your direction. And I pray that that would be true for us, uh, for many of us in the room this morning. God, thank you for the way that you love us and you show it through stories like this. And we thank you for that. And we pray through Jesus. Amen.